Well, hello, and welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how following Jesus leads us to live different than the world around us. And I'm Dan, and I'm here with Summer Brown, our Hi. pastor of Women's Ministries. Excited to have you on for this episode. Thanks. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about biblical manhood and womanhood, mm. which big topic, obviously. Big one. <laughs> something that within church ministry we all deal with, but certainly for your role as looking to have an eye towards shepherding the women of the church, something that's very significant to your role in thinking right. through these things. Right. I actually... Um, I am super impressed with the way LBF has um, has put together my role. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the fact that we're a complementarian church and that we we fully embrace that, but that they've also allowed for my role to be given a title of pastor. So it's a super unique dynamic, and I'm grateful for it. It is. Yeah, it's one that we've we've sought to navigate. And even we, we might end up touching on this later on in this episode, but one where we've tried to look at this and said, if we really do believe that, as you alluded to, the complementarian position, men and women are equal, and yet we're different, and those differences play out differently in our roles in marriage and the church and society, um, we thought, well, it's all the more significant that we would have a unique women's ministry because we're recognizing that we're bringing different things to the table. Mm. Um, and yeah, not not that this is meant to be a laudatory thing, but you've been doing a great job. We've been oh, excited thanks. about your role on staff. Um, and what we want to touch on is we, we want to be able to, to delve a little bit biblically and a little bit practically into mm. this subject. Um, because obviously we're living in a world right now where there's confusion and controversy surrounding what it means to be men and what it means to be women. Um, we're, we're kind of the, the analogy I sometimes give is like, we removed all the handholds from the climbing wall and we're saying, now we're going to scale it. But we're not quite sure what we're doing because we're not even agreeing on some basic things. Yeah. So we look to the scripture. That mm -hmm. That's what we do at this church. That's what we're doing in this podcast. Um, for you, when you're thinking through the dynamics of, trying to understand how we view ourselves as men and women, um, what are key passages that you found yourself looking to as as very helpful and sort of home-based passages that help us form our perspective on that? Oh, well, I would immediately turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is a, is a huge one for me. Um, it specifically is talking about uh, that role between wives and husbands. Um, because I think one of the really important things here is that um, with biblical femininity, we aren't saying that we are subjugated to all men. We're not saying we're subjugated in, in any way. Um, but we are saying that in a marriage relationship, uh, what are the specific roles there? So that one's that one's my cornerstone for that type of relationship. Um, but yeah, what uh, I know we we kind of had talked a, yeah. a little bit about some of the other verses that yeah. Well, because I agree with I, I think in many ways when, when we're thinking about manhood and womanhood, um, the, these these elements play out in our lives overall. But marriage is sort of like the intensive way of looking at. How is a man bringing appropriate masculinity and how is a woman bringing appropriate femininity? And it's so intensive that I think it is instructive for the broader idea to sure. say, if, if we're figuring out how it works here, that probably is going to help us figure it out, how it works in just our daily interactions and within the ministry of the church and mm -hmm. society. 
And so when it's bringing those, you know, obviously the whole the whole subject of submission is very, you know, touchy, is touchy yeah. and, and very countercultural. Yes. You know, every time I think a lot of pastors, whenever it's brought up, feel this sense of like almost wanting to apologize, but then saying, well, no, God is smart. We don't need to apologize for what he said. Right. But recognizing that the concept or the word, well, first of all, and, and actually maybe this is something we can go to. You kind of alluded to this, but submission is a word that is certainly countercultural, even if we properly understand it. Right. But it's also frequently probably misunderstood. And you've probably run into some of that of maybe there being some pushback in talking about this because people have a warped view of what the concept of headship were. Ephesians talks about the the, the man being the, the head of the wife and the head of the household and the woman submitting. Um, have you run into some things where you found like, all right, when, when there's pushback or um, angst over this, some ways that you've been able to helpfully walk uh, men and women, but women through this in ways that have been helpful and fruitful? Hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I like to refer in in my own marriage um and i recognize that that role of the the head of the household that is not a um it's not a privilege it's a burden of responsibility um and it's likening that that being the head of the household as how um christ is the head of the church and it he is willing to lay down his life it is a sacrificial mm role. And so um, for a husband, it is not a place of, well, look at me. I get to make these decisions. I'm going to do this. I get to do this. It is, um, it's a heavy burden. So uh, as far as like a lot of times when, when problems come into that role, it's because people are wrestling mm -hmm. with that whole thing. And it's looked at as a privilege, like, oh, you are the head, you get to make all the decisions. But that's not, that's not the case at all. It's a conversation between two people who are equally created um, with unique giftings and unique roles, but there's an equal voice there. But in the end, when, um, when a decision has to be made, that's where the head of the household is taking the burden of that responsibility to make that decision. Um, in my own marriage, before, before my husband and I got married, we had had a long conversation about this and we had talked out what does it look like practically to have this happen. Um, and we had decided that on any topic, any subject where we can't come to a full agreement on that in the end, he would have the burden of making that call. Um, and in our the course of our marriage, that's only happened two times where we have talked it out, talked it mm -hmm. out. And um, and I, I want to point out that he listens, hmm. that this is, this is an equal relationship. My voice is important. And so we talk this through. And in the end, um, we both were still on our own sides on, on some of these thoughts and feelings. And it was one of those moments where it's okay. Like we've got to, we've got to return to that one thing that we had set up that fail safe. Like, okay, here, here's the moment where mm. rubber meets the road. Okay, babe, it's you go ahead and um, make the call. Um, and at that point in saying, okay, it's you make the call. It's me also stepping back and not holding on to it 
and being able to fully release it to him, um, which which takes a little step of faith. It takes some humility. It takes um, takes a lot to do that. But then it's also getting in his corner and being ready to support him regardless of what takes place so that I'm not in the end saying, see, I told you. Yeah. If it falls apart. And he has to then go through that door and make that decision. And if it was a financial decision or if it was something major, moving our family or making a major choice, if it falls apart, that's on his shoulders. Yeah. And so that that to me does not sound like a privilege. Yeah. When I, I appreciate just even painting the picture like that, because I think that is one of the powerful things when we think about this is to say, man, both ways, it, we're talking specifically about marriage, but if we're broadening this out, we're saying both of these roles are difficult. You know, yeah. they both have wonderful, beautiful things about them. But, you know, for, for me as, as a husband, I'm like, it's not hard for me to say, yeah, like submission sounds difficult. You <laughs> yeah. know, we, we all have areas, you know, I mean, wh- whether it's work or things like that, there are times for, for Pastor Gary where he makes a call that I don't agree with. And, and I'm sort of mm. like, all right, you know, so we, we all have those times. So it's, it's not hard for me at all to say, yeah, like submission, that's a tough calling. Mm. But to say like, wow, if we're looking at headship, not as sort of, I get my way, but I have the responsibility before God to ultimately take the role of leadership and to take the role of responsibility. That's a high calling also. And both of us need each other. Men need women and women need men to help us fulfill this because otherwise we're, we're going to crumble under the weight of both of these very high callings that we have. Right. Well, and I, I love that in this portion of scripture in Ephesians, it starts out that section by saying mutually submitting mm-hmm. to each other. So there is, there is definitely, while uh, that final call may be given to, to the husband, while that, um, that headship role is there, there is a mutual submission. There Absolutely. is a dying to self on both parts. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that, that Paul points that out. Yeah. Yeah, that that is the lead into the whole idea of how the husband and the wife are going to play different roles is that there's a mutual submission, a mutual preference. You're going to prefer her. She's going to prefer him. Right. And and part of it, and I, I shared with you before, you know, an analogy I've tried out at different times in, mm. in trying to understand this is the idea of um, music and dance steps mm-hmm. is to say sometimes what appears to happen is we get a passage like Ephesians 5, you know, 1 Peter chapter 3. If we're talking about church ministry, maybe First Timothy chapter two, where kind of some dance steps are are spelled out to say, yeah. all right, as men and women, here's how you're going to do this more specifically. Um, but the idea is that those those can feel very arbitrary to us unless we believe there is a real difference that God has built into us as men and women that make those different roles that we play make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that don't necessarily make them easy, but that that say if we really do believe men and women are differently bringing unique things to the table, then it would just flow out that there would be different roles that we would play at different times. Sure. So what I'd love to talk about a little bit is, and and this is tricky to try to talk about, is to say, are there, and, and if there are, what are some qualities that are not just cultural masculinity or cultural femininity, you know, like men shoot bows and arrows at things and women bake or something like that, but qualities that we would say 
these are qualities that are godly, that appear to be biblical emphases for men, and these are qualities that would be biblical emphases for women that we would look to say, this is part of the music that we bring to the table that help us all function in harmony and help each other and how we're looking to live out our God-given calling. Hmm. So it may have been a long lead into the question, but, <laughs> but, but as you think of it, are there certain things that you would look at and say, I think if, if a man is looking to be biblically manly, here are some ways that might look. And if a woman is looking to be biblically feminine, here are some qualities that might mark that. Hmm. Yeah. Who? Yeah, that was that's that's a tough <laughs> a tough part um, because there there are things that we see um, with with headship, um, and I think a very natural part of of like the male role is that of protection, mm-hmm. that of that um, and protection comes in a variety of senses, uh, whether that be protecting finances, protecting mm-hmm. time, protecting the physical aspect of one's family. But protection is definitely built in to that to that male role. And I feel like we see that so often. You know, um, you're in bed, you hear a noise outside. Quite often, the husband's going to stand up and be like, "I got this." Let me go. Yeah. Let me go check this out. And husbands, if you're not, you should. <laughs> you should not send your wife down to check on the noise downstairs. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, so definitely that 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 role of of protection is there. Um, and then I really there's there's something um, innate in men to want to provide for their families. Um, I think that's often when we see when we see people who are out of out of work for any length of time it's it's a blow to to their own um masculinity yeah just sort of sense of self and sense of who who men are supposed to be in the world right so um i would say definitely those are two that really rise to the surface very quickly as far as the male role um and as far as the the female feminine side of things um Nurture is mm. something that just, it's there. There's this desire to just nurture, to take care of, to to love through, to, you know, and this isn't to say that, um, you know, women have to stay home and raise children and things like that, but you do see this natural inkling where women are the ones who want to pick up the baby. There's a reason why little kids, when they when they fall down and get hurt, they call out for their mamas. Absolutely. So there is nothing like a mama kiss to fix a boo-boo. Yeah. So, um, but also just, you see it in so many forms, even for, for women who don't have children, the, the desire to nurture, take care of plants, a, a garden, to take care of little animals, things like that. You just see that desire. Yeah to nurture. No, I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree a hundred percent with both of the things that you said for, for men and women. There's this, there's a story I've told it a few times, but I love it. Cause I felt like it encapsulated some of this. It was way back many, many years ago. Um, I was helping serve in a, in a nursery, um, for, for the church that Karina and I were a part of. And I was in there and I, I think there were probably like four women also in there with help mm-hmm. were taking care of the kids that are just learning to walk. So there was this little boy that I was kind of hanging with. He was tottering around and not walking super well, but he took several steps and then just fell. 
And in the moment, all five of us in the room all reacted at once. Um, All four (laughs) of the women reacted to him by saying, oh. (laughs) And I reacted. And it was funny because nobody was reacting to anyone else. We were all reacting to him. At the same time that they were all saying, oh, I said, get up, you're fine. <laughs> and it was this right instant, spontaneous moment. And they, the women all kind of, you know, because it was usually just women in there. They kind of looked like, well, let's see how this plays out. And and it was it was a cool moment because for me, it was a reminder of like, this is, you know, the ideal for children is that God has placed children into a situation where they're getting both of those. Right. Um, there have been times where Karina said to me like, I know you want them to be tough, but he's actually hurt. Like he actually needs something there. And there's other times where she's trust my judgment with our sons and said, oh, okay, we're going to let them figure this out instead of kind of swooping in. Sure. And that when you have both of those for children in the world, you know, there have been so many times that just within the ministry of the church, the different women who are partnering and in viewing our ministries have been able to say like, you you guys are missing this. There's a person here Mm. who needs care Mm -hmm. and you're charging ahead with trying to make sure everything's fitting and you're missing that there's people here who who are getting hurt, who need to be cared for. Right. And it's not 100% of the time that it's the women noticing that, but it's much higher than 50% of the time that it's the women who've been in our circles who've been able to point that out and notice that that's a a dynamic that's going on that's being missed. Well, I think that also leads to another really um, strong quality that we find in women. Um, And that's this deep sense of intuition, this Mm. sensing that is absolutely from the Holy Spirit, this... um, this gut that hmm. that you feel. And with kids, I mean, so often when you've got your little baby, um, oftentimes you'll, you'll read on the blogs, you'll hear from other moms, well, what does your mama gut tell you? Hmm. Because there is just that deep thing. It's, it's there, it's very clear. And so when, um, when you pull women into the conversation, they are gonna sense things and see things very differently that I think often do fall through the cracks, which is why it's so important that women do have a seat at the table yeah. to bring that up, to to, to use their voice. Yeah. So well, it, it is interesting just in, in different sort of religious practices other than Christianity, where sometimes you'll see sort of the, the woman who has spiritual things going on that are sort of like in touch. And you, you look at that and you say, all right, th- those things are misdirected. But you say that probably came from somewhere that we're noticing something about women. Like you're saying, sort of that sense of being able to discern, maybe I can't totally explain it. Maybe I can't prove it, but there's something going on here. There's yeah. something at work here. For sure. I think that I think that it's it's built in to women. And I think that once a woman comes to the Lord, that the Lord hmm. uses that in a whole new way in combination with his Holy Spirit and that just sensing that women have, it just takes it to new levels where you you see in a whole new way. Um, so yeah. yeah, oftentimes I know when my husband and I are, are in situations where even when like panhandlers are around, my husband will look at me and say, what do you think? Hmm. Like he, he trusts that in me. He knows that that's there or we'll walk into a situation and outside of that where something might just be a little odd. And he's like, 
what are you getting from this? Mm-hmm. So it's it's again it's it's just this beautiful dance when the two that are is. combined. And that's a great those are great examples of the way the partnership can really go well. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you know, obviously we we can this subject is almost inexhaustible, but sure. you know, in, <laughs> in thinking specifically of of women um, interacting in this realm because it, it affects both men and women, but um, it's hard to live out biblical masculinity and femininity in our culture right now. There's roadblocks, there's obstacles, there's hurdles. Mm -hmm. For you, as you look at what what are the things that are the biggest, um, what are the battlefronts right now that Mm. you're experiencing that are making it that much more difficult for women to really look to embrace God's unique calling for women and to end up being sidetracked by something else? Yeah. So there's a couple things here. Um, and one of those things I, I feel is, is important is I feel like women are being pitted against each other. Um, we've already seen this polarization in politics, in the church, and just where people are with the vaccine or masking. There's just there's opposite ends for everything. Um, but we have seen this for generations where women are on one side or the other when it comes to everything from being a mama to being a wife to you know like whether or not to send to public school private school homeschool there's just all these different camps and it's like we attack the thing rather than um, celebrate the difference Mm. and so we're putting we're putting ourselves back generations by doing this rather than building each other up and by celebrating the unique circumstances and the um and the hard decisions that people have had to make instead we take it on ourselves to judge every aspect of another woman's life um and we're all super like even though we have a lot of things that that bring us together and and are common we are uniquely designed, uniquely created, um, but those giftings are for each other. They're not for ourselves. And I just, I think this culture where uh, we've got Pinterest, oh, Pinterest, oh, that's a whole nother topic, but like we've got Pinterest and we've got Instagram and we've got TikTok and we've got everything where we compare what we should be or what we think we should be to everything else and suddenly we're just we're down on ourselves we're tearing apart each other and setting ourselves back rather than celebrating each other yeah and i know just just even in in the months that you've been on staff so far i know that's been a theme yeah that you've brought up at different <laughs> times really trying to fight against the comparison game um are there some things i mean maybe maybe just giving you a chance for like the the quick version of if, if there's somebody, I mean, it could be a man or a woman, but in particular, a woman who's listening to this that's saying like, oh yeah, like that's where I'm living right now. How do I get off that crazy train? Mm. What, what counsel would you give in saying, if you're recognizing this, wh- what do you do to try to get off that the, the madness that happens when you're just constantly feeling that pressure to compare yourself to what often is a fake yep. version of reality? Okay, so there's there's two things. One is grounding yourself 
and and calling out those promises of who God created you to be. Like there are so many promises about about um, the way God views us. Our worth is far above rubies. There's all these things mm-hmm. like our, that that God gives us our worth. So claiming that, like recognizing that, seeing that, living that out, that's one. But then the other thing, um, and I once heard a speaker talk about this, you can connect or you can compare, but mm. you can't do them both at the same time. So a conversation between two people on the surface looks the same whether they're connecting or comparing, but it's the heart, mm. that the, the position of one's heart makes all the difference. In comparison, you're sizing the person up. You're looking at everything they have, don't have, act, how they laugh, everything. You're comparing that. But in connection with somebody, you are seeking to understand their heart. And so it's a change in, in your own heart. Yeah. It's a humility. It's it's an authenticity that's um, that's seeking true engagement with somebody. So you can connect or you can compare, but those two cannot coexist simultaneously. Yeah. I'm just so. thinking what it would be like sort of mid-conversation to be like, hey, how would this all change if I decided I wanted to connect? How would this all change if I decided that this person who's homeschooling when I'm public schooling is not a threat, but I'm just going to be curious and find out how God has led her to that and to make that shift. And instead of saying this person's a threat because she may somehow undermine my decisions, right? this is a person created in God's image who I'm meant to partner with. And I'm going to curiously delve into how God has led her to a different conclusion than he's led me. Totally. And shifting that criticism to celebration, Mm. because that's like, man, that heart of criticism, it steals joy. Mm. It really does. And it, and then it, it immediately leads you back down that vicious cycle of comparison. That's where it, it lies is that criticism. But if we stop and recognize the difficulty it must have taken for that woman to come to the decision to homeschool mm. or to send their kid to private school, how much that they've stayed up and prayed over and worked through. And then um, to stop and be like, wow, you made a tough decision for your family. Great job. Like it, it just totally, it diffuses a lot. For sure. But then it just shifts your heart and suddenly you view that woman totally differently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I, I've got one more question I'd really love to ask. You know, I, you know, I, I have three sons, you know, I, as you know, and a, a constant thought I think about is, all right, I want them in figuring out what it means to live as, as a godly man. Um, I want to do as much to get them on that track early because you get to, you know, I'm in my forties now. It's like any change is going to be harder because there's undoing that needs to happen. Right. And, and God is more than capable of doing that work. But I think of my sons, you know, and say, all right, I, I want them to be strong. I want them to be willing to take risks. I want them to be, you know, courageous in that sense that they're not, you know, if, if God has them get married one day, that they're not just going to be looking at their wife, like, what do you think? But instead are going to be willing to take risks and try to figure out what to do. Um, as you think of younger women who are maybe don't have a lot that needs to be undone at this point, um, if you had some counsel to say, what would it look like to at an age where you're getting into the realm where you probably are going to look ahead to decisions about career, about marriage, mm. potentially about some of these things? Um, what would be some counsel to younger women of what it looks like to try to set yourself on a road of embracing biblical godly femininity? Yeah. 
So the very, very first thing um, is to root yourself in God's word. That is, it's so important that we hold God's word as authority and that we are committing it into our heart, that we're, we're committing it to memory, that we are standing on the promises um, that are there um, and that we, we know the truth so that when lies come up, we can combat that. Mm. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, and the other part of that would be to understand how God's wired us. Um, like I said before, each woman is so unique and, um, and to be able to embrace who you are early on is huge. I know for myself, I was 19 when I moved out of my parents' house, mm. and suddenly I was in my own apartment by myself, my own four walls. I could eat Lucky Charms and drink Kool-Aid if I wanted to because I got to make my own rules at that point. And this was a whole new thing. And I had to, it sent me on this journey of why do I believe the things that I really believe? And, and knowing God's truth, um, how, how does that impact me as a woman? How has God created me um, to be a woman of God? And that just started this whole journey in, in discovering that, embracing that, and celebrating that. Because there's parts of our, our, our own personalities that, you know, like I, I can be a little loud um, and a little bit much. And, you know, that's okay. That's who God made me to be. Um, and I'm embracing that. For young women, I would say embrace who God made you to be. And if you have um, a desire in your heart to go and to be a neurosurgeon, to go work for NASA, to do whatever, like follow it, follow it, but follow it with God. Mm -hmm. Walk side by side with God through this whole thing. And in your journey, look and see who's still walking next to you. And that's the guy for you. Mm -hmm. um, I know for my myself when I was younger and starting to to get into that dating realm, um, I had set some pretty clear parameters for myself for what I wanted in a man. But I, I had to really evaluate what is it, what is it specifically that I wanted, because I knew with my big personality, I knew I could get a guy who could you know, read me poetry and brush my hair and tell me I'm pretty. But how, um, how would that encourage me to grow as a woman? How would that challenge me? How would that person partner alongside me in life? Because I know with my big personality and, um, and, and being very strong in who I am, I know I needed somebody who come alongside of me and also bring me back in occasionally and say, hey, let's let's do things a little bit different over here. I needed somebody to challenge me. So I know I needed a man who could step up. Um, so knowing who you are and who you are in the Lord is foundational in deciding who you want to partner with in life. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I love what you said. I mean, it, it, it took me back to even remembering when in, in college when I got together with Karina because there was a similar dynamic I experienced where I I felt 
really, really drawn towards her. And I also felt intimidated by her <laughs> where I looked at myself and I was like, gosh, if I, if I date and then marry a girl like Karina, I'm going to have to really step it up mm -hmm. because she's, you know, she, she knows her mind. She's thoughtful. She's really smart. She's very serious in a relationship with the Lord where I was thinking like, you know, all right, if I, if I date somebody else, I might already feel like I'm good enough to handle that. Sure. And it was a work of God in me also to say, like, I want somebody who's going to help call me up to who I'm meant to be in the Lord. Mm. And so that counsel that you gave is really significant just to say that we would even look at ourselves and say, this person might be an okay person. Are they going to be an okay person for me? Right. Is this going to be something that that's going to be a fruitful, you know, Part of it is the weirdness that we live in a country where we actually get to choose our mates and, you know. Right. <laughs> in most cultures, they would not be talking about this because they're like, you'll marry the person that we tell you to marry and sure. then you'll figure it out from there. Yeah. But but I also loved what you said because it brought up that while there are some core things about masculinity and femininity, th there's a variety of ways that this expresses itself. Mm. You know, it's sort of like, you know, not all men are wearing flannel and, and shooting at ducks. You know, sure. some are and that's fine. Um, and, you know, not, not all women are, you know, I don't know what, what's that, you know, lo loving poetry in Hallmark movies or something like that. Right. It's like some are, but not all. There are things that sometimes we think are at the core that aren't at the core. And so we want to allow for that variety and say that there's a, a hundred different ways that biblical femininity looks as it's lived out robustly and the same with biblical masculinity mm. and to be okay with the idea that it doesn't always look the same in each case. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I would definitely agree there is a plethora of ways that that one dating relationship can land in marriage and so to choose wisely to understand yeah. how you're wired and to keep god at the forefront of Absolutely. it makes all the difference in the world yeah well thanks so much obviously this is a topic that you know we've only just touched on a little bit but hopefully in ways that are helpful and fruitful. So thank you so yeah, much thank for you. bringing your insight and your thoughts. Um, thank you to all of you who took the time to listen and to watch. We know this is a big topic, so you might have thoughts, you might have questions, you might have criticisms or pushback or anything. We, we welcome all of that wherever these podcasts are posted. Um, keep it polite, but we're interested in interacting with all of your thoughts on this. Um, and Summer, thanks so much again for taking the time to be on this episode. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Absolutely. And thanks so much for taking the time to watch and we'll see you next time.